It's for the director of music, a psalm of David, when the prophet Nathan came to him after David had committed adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away all my iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost parts. Cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressions, Teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will turn back to you. Save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me. And my tongue will sing of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I will bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. In your good pleasure, make Zion prosper. Build up the walls of Jerusalem, then there will be righteous sacrifices, whole burnt offerings to delight you. Then bulls will be offered on your altar. This is his word. Amen. Morning, everyone. Morning. I snuck in the side door. And we Let's pray. Gracious Father, we uh, do ask that you would uh, help us as we come to your word. It's a difficult topic. Some things are hard to hear. And we pray that we might be able to hear. We pray that we might be able to know. Search us as the hymn prays. And we ask that we might be searched by you, be open to that that we would have a contrite heart, that we would uh, be able to be uh, teachable. And I pray that you would keep me from error, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, in 2019, Time magazine published an article of the most unfortunate political one-liners it's Time magazine, so it's a very American publication, so you can imagine. And number two in that list was Bill Clinton. His one-liner, which you might, might already know, uh, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. So you might remember that. Do you remember that? Who's old enough to remember that? Put your hand up. There you go. Look at that. 
a number of people. That's number two. By the way, number one was, I am not a crook. Who's that? Richard Nixon. You have to be a bit older. Sorry about that. Um, yes. With the words that uh, Bill uttered, he, uh, this is what they said. <clears throat> With those words about uh, the Monica Lewinsky scandal, with those words, President Clinton didn't just dig himself a hole. He, start, he stole a backhoe, dug a really deep hole, drove the backhoe into the hole, wired the backhoe with explosives and blew it up. As you know, he strenuously denied that affair and he was later impeached by the House of Representatives for lying about that very incident under oath. Bill said he was sorry, and he said this, this matter is between me, the two people I love most, my wife and our daughter, and our God. I must put it right, and I'm prepared to do whatever it takes to do so. Nothing is more important to me personally, but it is private, and I intend to reclaim my family life for my family. It's nobody's business but ours, and, of course, no one took him seriously. It had gone so wrong. I don't know if you remember that time, but it was amazing. It had gone so wrong. Today's psalm is a bit difficult to read. It's a bit difficult to hear about why it came about. As a preacher, you possibly like to be a little bit positive. I gotta say, Psalm 51 is a little bit negative, if you like it, if you want to look at things that way, because it's about some reality. And the reality is not a good episode. In fact, it's a really bad episode. It's about the episode as you might notice. Did you notice when you read the Bible at the top? It said when the prophet Nathan came. And it's about, uh, it says, the adultery with Bathsheba. I actually take point with that description because uh, Bathsheba, I don't consider committed adultery. Unfortunately, I think it's far worse than that. I think David abducted her, took her, raped her, and then made sure her husband was dead so that he could take her. I don't know that she got much of a choice. That's the truth. It's a terrible thing to say, but it was a horrendous episode. It's one of the most horrendous episodes that is recorded. There's plenty of horrendous episodes recorded in the Bible. Bathsheba was married. David wanted her. And as you might remember, Uriah, her husband, was put in the front line of an army in a place where he would be killed. There's a hint in the text that if he wasn't killed by the enemy, David might have made sure he'd be killed anyway. That's the hint of what David is doing. 2 Samuel 11 and 12 tells us about when Nathan confronts him, the prophet Nathan. He confronts him because God speaks to Nathan and tells him to tell David what he's done. He's taken the wife of one of his soldiers and made sure that he would die so that he could take her permanently. 
It's a psalm, this one, based on the prayer, probably his prayer and fasting, we think, that happened with David after he was confronted with the truth. As you know, the child, uh, David Bathsheba became pregnant and the child sadly died, which the Lord told David that would be part of his punishment. It's a hard episode to preach on, and Psalm 51 is not an easy psalm to read in that context. But I want you to come with me and try. Have mercy on me, verses 1 to 2. Here we have in verses 1 to 2 the recognition that God is in control, that he is in charge and he requires David to live in a way that pleases him. Have mercy on me. It's all that David can say as he kneels before the God who created him, who made him, who gave him his kingship, put his spirit within him and then confronted him about the horror that he'd unleashed. Uh, I know here we are constantly starting our own meetings with a confession, a prayer of confession. That's no accident. We do so because that's what we're commanded to do. Our God is a God that will not write us off. We know that. God is not like that. There's always a way back to God. But there is always a need for us to come to God and ask for forgiveness. And that's what David desperately needs to do here. Notice he says words like cleanse me, wash me, wash away all my iniquity, cleanse me from all my sin. It's because sin is an incredible barrier. It stops everything with us and God. It breaks the relationship that God created us to have with him because in him there is no darkness. In him is light. Sin is darkness. Sin is like when we turn our backs on God. That's a simple way to understand it, but it, it, one part of that, it doesn't quite pick up the horror of what that means. It breaks everything between us and our God. It puts a distance between us. It makes our hearts hard. It makes us completely different to whom God is. We are ruined by it. And the truth is that's who humans are. We are people ruined by sin. It cuts us off from the life-giving God and the Bible's truth about it is that's all of us. David knows it's him. It's really hard to get into our minds the power and the position that David has, as he's looking down on Bathsheba, no one sees him. He alone is that height. He alone is that one looking down. 
he can get away with it, it seems. There's sadly, if you hear about certain dictators throughout history, that's exactly what they did. They got away with it because they could. David is here. He's like that. But then he realises once God speaks to him that he didn't get away with it, that he was seen, that the God who he relied on and gave him his position knows exactly what he has done. We too know that we are sinners. We have a problem. We sin. And so Psalm 51 certainly shows us that we need to confess because sin is so serious that it brings death. See how Psalm 51 so cheery so far? It's the truth. And so we have verses 3 to 5. You know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you prove right when you speak and you justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. This is our confession here, verses 3 to 5. And that last verse, 5, 5, is actually quite controversial for people. David concedes that the fault is his and his alone. I don't know about you, but I'm very good at passing the buck. It's someone else. I think our world, speaking in a general way, is like that nowadays. There was something that caused it. We did this because of this. There's always a reason. That reason has been cut away here, and David is exposed. He concedes that the fault is his and his alone. Sin is not just against others. It's actually against our God. Verse 4, against you, you only, is an omission that the wrong that was done was done against God. And i got to say, i got to hear God say this because I don't know this. It's not something naturally I knew. I knew, thought it was when I did something wrong against that person there, that was the problem. But what David is reminded blindingly is that it's actually God he's affronted. And that's what humans don't realise. Remember Romans 1, we claim to be wise, but in doing so we became fools, Romans 1 verse 22. I've deceived myself. My guess is, the Bible says, you've deceived yourself too. (laughs) That's what humanity's like. We deceive ourselves of how bad we are. We don't understand how serious sin is, but it leads to death. Uh, the late Shane Warne, do you remember him? Yeah, he, uh, bless him, great, 
cricketer he was. Uh, <laughs> if you're a cricket fan, you still think he's amazing. But anyway, he became a preacher's favourite <clears throat> when, he, when he did something wrong and got caught. And he didn't quite understand how serious it was when he made the statement, it was wrong because I got caught. Poor old Shane, he, he was a great guy, once says. <laughs> he just, he said what, exactly what he meant. He got caught, so that was wrong. And in some ways, that's how, we'll, how we naturally think of sin. The truth is God knows and it is drastic, that it is deadly. It separates us from our God and it's the situation we need desperately to fix needs to desperately be made right because death is our place. And David knows that. That's what he's come to know. And so he begs, verses 6 to 14, make me right with you. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I'll be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Verse 14, save me from blood guilt, O God, the God who saves me, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. God desires truth, and he tells us the truth, even when we don't like to hear it. David has been confronted with his truth, horrible as it is. He's had to hear it. He wants to be right with God, but he realises it is God and God alone who he's talking to. The Lord who put him in this place, he was the one who must give him mercy. Verse 7, everything's about God. Watch. Verse 7, cleanse me, wash me. Verse 8. Let me hear joy and gladness. Verse 9, hide your face from my sins. Verse 10, create in me a pure heart. Verse 11, do not cast me from your presence. Verse 12, restore me, grant me. Verse 14, save me. It is actually God who must do this. What we do is not important. It's actually God's actions that count. We get it all around the wrong way. Naturally, humans think we are top of the chain, but it's actually the Lord God whom we bow and serve and who in majesty we worship. Cleanse me with hyssop comes from the idea that you cleanse a person with an unclean skin disease or someone who's gone into contact with a dead body. That's how you get made right for worship, how you come into God's presence. 
God is pure. He is light. There is no impurity or darkness found in him. And David finds himself on the precipice of falling out of God's presence. He's hanging on. And he's pleading to give him back life for he's lost it. Verse 10, creating me a pure heart. It's because he's lost that. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. He's been anything but steadfast. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. It's as if God will walk away. Because as we read in 1 John, God is light and in him is no, is no darkness. Here, David has been full of darkness and he is on the edge of being in darkness forever. That's his fear. And he longs again to say, verse 12, restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. The prophet Nathan had to come to David to rebuke him, to confront him, to make him hear and to change. God used that word to convict him, to respond. Plenty of other tyrants throughout history would not have responded. They would have put the messenger to death, as in other parts of the Bible the messengers are sometimes put to death. David, like us, need to be convicted and we need to be awakened. In ourselves, we are people who delude ourselves how good we are. I'm pretty good, I think, right at the core of who I am. One of the things that um, gets a little bit depressing sometimes when you're a minister is when you talk to people who think they're pretty good and you can't convict them of their need for Jesus. David knows exactly that he needs saving and he needs saving from what he has done, the blood guilt. And he has, once he is in this place, he receives the assurance and the progress of verses 15 to 18. Open my lips and I will declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, you will not despise. We were brought sacrifices to the temple all the time, and it showed how serious our rebellion was. It reminded them what cost and how they had to bring something. Sin is serious. It was the one thing at the heart of God that, at our worship with God, that broke our relationship with him. Israel time and time again ignored their God and chased after other gods. They sinned against him. But 
David here reminds us, as Jesus reminded us, what God desires is a broken spirit, a contrite heart. If we had claimed to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. It's a very interesting passage from 1 John 1 because when you say the Apostle John, people say, oh, yes, John, the Apostle of love. That's all. They always say that. John has plenty of that, doesn't he? Love one another as I have loved you. 1 John has plenty of love in it. But please don't be mistaken. John is not just love in our misconcepted ways of using that. John is truth. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. David said, blot out my iniquity. He did that because he required God to do that. He came with a contrite heart, with a broken spirit. And he came to God because God had done that action in his heart. It's not something David raised up. God did that by the power of his word through his spirit. And he reminded him that he needed forgiveness. We know that that forgiveness came in the person of Jesus who suffered for us. He died for us in our place that he would be the sacrifice once and all for unrighteousness. He came that sin might be put on him, that I might walk free, that you might walk free. Jesus Life, his death, his resurrection, conquered sin, overcame sin, defeated death. And he gave you his spirit that he might change you and transform you and recreate you into the people he wants you to be. David knew this and he's crying out for that redemption. We too need a contrite heart. We too must ask God, convict me of my sin. 1 John says, if we confess our sins, our God is faithful and just and will forgive us. Don't confess your sin. God is not alive in you. You won't be purified from all unrighteousness. For us, even us, we confess our sins. They might seem to go into nothingness compared to David's horror, 
But sin is sin. Darkness is darkness. It's a poison. It's poisoned my life at times. My guess is it's poisoned yours. But we realise that the God who sent Jesus sent him that we might know him. We realise that we have heard that message and responded. And we respond if when we confess our sins and rely on the forgiveness of our God. We confess and ask God to forgive us. And when we do that, we hear his ways and we walk in the light as he is in the light. And our God of mercy, he alone is the one who provides us with forgiveness. And we are thankful. We are people of great blessing, who've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. We respond with a contrite and humble heart because it's God's work in us. Heaven help me from my work. I will always fail. But our God will has won in Christ Jesus. David knew that, where to hear that, to claim it and to live in it. Let's pray. Gracious Father, we thank you that uh, this is all about you. It's a hard, uh, Psalm 51 is a hard passage and sin is not easy to speak on, to listen to, to really to be confronted with. It's a little bit. It makes us very sober. But, Lord, you, we just read Peter and he asked that we be sober and that we have good judgment. So, Lord, we have judged that we are in need of your forgiveness. We have responded and we ask, Lord, continue to help us to respond. Keep us in your ways. Help us to walk in the light. We are so thankful that Jesus came into our dark world and brought light, and that he has brought your word, your life, and your spirit to us, that we might live in it. We pray you would help us to do so. We glorify your name. Help us to continue to live together in fellowship with one another, in spirit and truth. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen.